The topic of cults is a bit different from what we usually have conversations about on Society Superheroes. It's a fascinating topic, and the reason we chose to invite Pauline Moneron was because she invited Luke to chat on her podcast, Decoding Cults. The conversation that Luke and Pauline had was captivating, and we thought that you would enjoy their combined knowledge on the topic. I learn something new about Luke every day. His knowledge and expertise in so many diverse areas never ceases to amaze me. Luke did his honours in comparative religion and philosophy and spent extensive time researching new religious movements and how they become cults. Luke has worked with various organisations to assist in safeguarding young people against the lure of cults and the potential harm that they may be caused by joining a cult. And we welcome Pauline Monorod, and it's wonderful that somebody's taken up this complex cause. And she's an ops manager by day and a podcaster by night. She has always found all religions very interesting and beautiful in their own way. Pauline found out about cults and started to do research into them. The more she learned, the more she wanted to know. Pauline started a podcast series, Decoding Cults as a Hobby, and to bring attention to these groups. The hope is that people understand the workings of cults and how they can be identified, the potential risks involved, and that these will hopefully be mitigated. Welcome, Pauline. Thank you very much. So, Pauline, the, the interesting thing about where we find ourselves in the cult world at the moment is everybody is watching Devil's Door. So, we have entered a world where we kind of have this this idea of these cults, of these people, even the word devil inserted into it has become a thing. And the fact that, you know, these people go out and sort of defraud people and kill people and whatever. But that's a very extreme example of cults. Yeah. You're working on another cult in Romanus. What are the characteristics of what you are seeing that are more subtle, that are not that kind of satanic panic of the 80s? Thanks very much, Luke. Um, so I think the biggest thing for me is taking away people's um, critical thought, mm -hmm. taking away their individuality. They exercise extreme control over these people to the point where they control your entire existence. They, they use power. They, they take your money. They take people's families away from them. They, they split people up. Like There's so many more... I think emotional abusive things that go on there where yes the only ones that really get into the news are the ones that <coughs> commit hor horrendous crimes but there's so much more to it and there's so much more that they take away from a person that like it, it's scary it's scary to think that you go to this person and they are like they become your be all and end all and your whole life is just for this one person but in the worst way possible so I just wanna want to make sure that people like understand what are the what what are the, the characteristics of a cult and what happens when you find a family member maybe pulling away, maybe spending too much time with this group, this person, and what to look out for and then also maybe stop them from going in down a rabbit hole that some people never be able to get out of. So there's two interesting things that then come into play here. The first is that obviously because of the nature of our country and we're human rights-based constitutional demo uh, democracy, freedom of religion, freedom of association, freedom of all such things. 
So the the balance between the freedom to do as you choose in terms of your religion and your association versus the fact that 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 need in people is misused and their freedom removed. What impact does that have on families and individuals who do get sucked in to cults? Sure. Okay, so the people that do get sucked in, they they basically give up of themselves. So, yes, they have the freedom to believe anything they would choose to believe and I don't disagree with that. I th- like as, like you said, I believe in beautiful all religions are beautiful in their own way. What I don't agree with is taking a religion and twisting it to get too much power over people. And what happens is I I lose my family, I lose my identity, I lose my um, the way I look at life and, and everything just becomes like one-minded and one-sided and then they have the ability to abuse me and in some cases like in Devil's Door they can twist you to a point where you actually commit crime and you're like okay well this is okay because I'm doing it for the leader or you you know what I'm saying like there's some people that bring sex into it so they start abusing women they even start abusing children sexually and that's wrong but you're like oh no but so in the case of um waco texas which is what i'm busy covering now like he would be like i'm the prophet of god and i'm going to take these 14 year old even 12 year old girls and make them my wife and everyone's like well he's the prophet god speaks to him so must be okay and and they kind of using this power to abuse people to abuse them financially to abuse them emotionally to abuse them sexually and even get them to commit crimes like that's horrible. So in terms of cults, um, and, and, and this, I don't think it's got a right or a wrong answer, but as a cult leader, do they necessarily go into forming this cult and, and gathering their disciples with the intention of, of um, exerting complete power over them? Or do you find that as they get power, so they become more... Um, well, obviously more powerful, but 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 exert more power and and do the wrong things with with their followers. D- does it make sense? Yeah. So I I think there's an argument for both sides. So I think that there are people that that start out with the best of intentions. I want to help this congregation. I want to help lead these people. I want to help my community or whatever the case may be. And then slowly but surely they figure out that they can get away with more and more things. And then it becomes a, a pretty dangerous thing. But I also think that there are those that are like out for power from the get go, mm-hmm. out for money from the get go. Um, I think maybe some leaders that say now um, Seven Angels Ministry, for example, like the the dad started out with the ministry to help people. It became pretty culty pretty quickly. Then he passed away, but his sons had been raised to realize that there's power and money and all of those things in the cult. So I don't think that they necessarily went in it to help the community I firmly my opinion believe that they were in it from the get-go for the power like they didn't want to share they even fought amongst themselves for power so I think there's there's both sides I think there's those that go in for good get a bit of an ego and then it just goes pear-shaped and then I think that there's those that are like let me see what Mm. I can do to get more followers and what boundaries I can push Mm. and get people to do things for me. Luke is there specific personality traits of cult leaders do they 
um, possess similar uh, personality characteristics? Well, the first thing to say about cults in general is they possess a couple of characteristics. So the first is that they have this all-knowing, all-powerful, godlike leader, messianic kind of uh, pretender. The other thing is that they create social isolation. And then the other thing is that they are extremely rigid in terms of control of everything. Thought, word, deed, everything. I mean, like money, sex, relationships. They control everything. So, essentially, the cult pivots around that person who is a messianic pretender. And messianic pretenders tend to be the ones who are not completely insane. So, in other words, the ones who are not psychotic. Um, they tend to be flat-out narcissists. So, in other words, cannot take the perspective of anybody. And if you look at the impact of being in relationships with narcissists, it is just devastating because they cannot take another person's perspective. Added to that, they are probably at a minimum asocial, which is why they isolate themselves. They don't want to live in society. They want to create a world that reinforces their own sense of the world and their beliefs. They are probably antisocial and a lot of them psychopathic. So there are severely personality-disordered people who cannot take the perspective of others other than to use them as tools to further their own aims. And what about, there's so many religious groups and um, groups that, that I've observed um, that really come across as cult-like. So they pretend to be a church and um, you know we, we sort of have an idea of what church is. But in actual fact, the power that they exert to their own benefit over their congregants is is massive. At what point do they cross that line? Is it obviously sex? I mean, sex is a big one where, where you, you spoke to that earlier, where they, they take on really young girls as wives and, and things like that. But money is another very big one. We expect your congregants to, to tithe a certain amount of money every month, whether they can afford it or not. And you find the leader then living in extreme wealth and luxury. So how do we differentiate between a cult and, and a church? I think it, it's very hard, especially the ones that, that go under the radar. But I think the, the main one is that you kind of feel like you, you can't leave. And some people say that it's my choice not to leave. But if you think about like um, there's a very much a us versus them situation that the, the leader creates. So he's like, I am the only one with the true message. If you leave here, you are going to die, get AIDS, become a prostitute, whatever. They All of these things are examples of, of what leaders have told their people. So they say, OK, it's your choice to leave. But if you leave and then. It kind of doesn't become a choice anymore. So, with so for example, mainstream religion, um, Jews, Islam, all of those people. I can be a Christian. I can go to church. I can take my Bible home. I can read my Bible. I don't get hounded. I can tithe what I want to tithe, whatever the case may be. Whereas, if you get another church, um, I've heard of another church in I think it's also in KZN area, where basically. The people live their live their whole life for the church, so mm. they are at every single meeting, every single um, event. The pastor said this. The pastor said that. The minister said this. His Royal Majesty King God said that, and their whole lives become so intertwined around this 
one person who's not like they put themselves forward as a deity but they're not they're just a human being so their lives become so enthralled that you kind of you like is it really a church like i don't understand what's going on here so you, yeah if it becomes too much of a thing then i think it's a a problem if you don't have any more freedoms to just be you or even question the leader so you can't go mm -hmm. hey like i don't exactly agree with what you're saying can we have a conversation about it if as soon as you can't that becomes a problem mm -hmm. and the complexity paulini is is how sometimes the interpretation of for example the scripture actually facilitates that so i remember when i was at the university dealing with the cults in the reses because obviously there's a targeting of vulnerable people who are away from home who are seeking things trying to find answers to complex questions in life and what was interesting was that the claim of this church was we are going back to first century christianity the restoration christianity movement so Jesus left his family, left his home, he took disciples, those disciples all left, they all lived separately and ministered because this is the goal of life because uh, religion interpreted in that way is not life affirming, it's death affirming because what happens is you're going to be persecuted, this life is terrible, everybody outside is the enemy like the Romans or the Pharisees or whoever and then you need to wait to die and in fact you're dying is the way you get liberated and receive the rewards. So they make the world a place that people don't want to live in and actually facilitate, by the way they do it, the withdrawal from society and the need for this messianic figure to deliver you from the suffering of the world. How do you deal with that? Because it is scriptural. Well, that's the thing. T to your point, they, they twist it. So... Okay, so I'm going to give an example. So I had a, a f I have a very good friend, a very dear friend, and m a couple of many years ago, actually, we were, I went to visit her at her house, and um, she, both of us were raised in the the Inchiakark, and we both um, were firm together and all of those things, and um, she she was she's been a beautiful Christian and all of that stuff, but there was one point where she had gotten into this um, denomination. And then the next thing, she was burning everything that was um, not deemed right, which is something that the the other one in Natal also did. They they don't allow TV, they don't allow books. You got to burn everything. You got to purge all of the stuff out of your life. And the thing is, like, I was very young at the time, so I don't understand what was going on. And I was like, okay, you do you, love you, but. Like understanding what I do now, maybe she was missing something. So this guy was like, she's like, the world is crazy, especially now with COVID. The world is crazy. Everything's going to hell. This guy's got the answers. Maybe if I live this very pure Christian life, maybe stuff will come out on the other side. Like, I don't know how to deal with all this mess. So... Let me go towards this, guys. And getting those people out is almost impossible. So teaching them something alternative or having conversations with them or even trying to understand their viewpoints, I think, might start helping them. But it's, it's very hard when someone is like, no, this is it. This is how it's going to be. This is my life. I'm purging it. It's very, very hard to like go, don't be so silly. 
So to that point, um, we see in the movies very dramatic scenes of, of cults and a lot of the harm that they do. And then, you know, um, the hero of the movie rushes in and um, saves this person from the cult against their will. And then there's a whole lot of decoding that needs to take place. Is that real? Does that happen? And are there decoders? I know that's a whole lot of, um, a whole lot of questions rolled into one. Uh, okay, so back in the 80s, yeah, they were the programmers. Um, Rick Allen Ross was a big one. Um, he's re he's subsequently changed his views on it. But like back with the satanic panic and the big Jim Jones and Jonestown and Waco and all of those things, it was very much people that were like, um, they started the um, anti-cult network. Yes. And they they were very much of my kid is going into this cult and everything they saw was a cult and they had they kidnapped these people and they dragged them out and they put them in a room and they deprogrammed them and it was traumatic like it was traumatic either way so yes there was that um i don't know so much if there is still there i know the the very prevalent people like the rick rosses and the steve hassans and and yana lalich and all those people um, spe specifically Steve Hassan and Jana Lalich because they were in cults and they got out and they've been doing a lot of research around it. Their approach is more subtle. Their approach is more loving, comforting, helping people and also sometimes realizing that the person needs to come to that realization themselves because then they're ready to come mm. out because if you're just going to pluck them out, chances are they're going to go back mm. in. So, yeah, those those kind of things, yeah, they did do that. Mm. Um, but Luke, what's been your so experience much. with that? So for me, the, the idea of anybody who's sort of giving up everything for one thing, so you give up everything, your family, your finances, your choice, whatever, to be part of a cult, or you give up everything for one thing, such as alcohol or drugs or whatever, is that... If you extract people from that against their will in inverted commas, there is not a realization of what led them there and what need they were trying to meet. And unless you understand that, you can't offer a viable alternative because the majority of people who end up taking, in fact, taking drugs, going into abusive relationships, going into cults, they do it willingly. And there's something particular about a religion which, you know, talks to the transcendental reference, the meaning of my life beyond what appears to be a meaningless mess, especially like under things like COVID or world wars or whatever the case is. And we need to recognize the need that they need. So if you just extract them, you sometimes, well, often, in fact, what you do is you actually reinforce what the cult leader has said. So we will be persecuted because in the end days before the coming of the Messiah, we will all be persecuted, you know, like was happening at the time of the writing of Revelations, where, you know, there was war and the temple and the Romans, and it was the sense that um, the Christians were being persecuted, and that's a sign of the end times. Now, the, the doomsday cultists, the ones that are talking end times, that, that's a very big draw. So if you go and extract them, you become like the people who persecuted and crucified Jesus, and you're actually reinforcing what mm. it is that they are saying. Mm. So you're not combating it, you're actually yeah. facilitating mm. it. Yeah. And once again, in terms of, of images that we've seen in South Africa with self-professed um, 
prophets. So we saw the doom prophet where, um, you know, that, that, that was something. We've seen these leaders of so-called churches getting their people to do quite extreme things. Um, at what point does the law step in? So sexual, sexual um, misconduct is a very good one. And, and that dreadful pastor from Port Elizabeth who preyed on his congregants, um, that case is still in the courts, I think, Luke. Um, it's something we've seen for a long time. At what point does the law step in and people actually have a bit of an aha moment that this is actually wrong? You know, I think when they overstep a proper legal boundary, so a criminal boundary, so they, they physically harm someone um, and that person is like, this isn't right or or they get people to to commit crimes and those kind of things i think for the most part um because indoctrination is a very gradual process mm -hmm. and because they'll tell you a, a truth that you know with a small twist so they'll go god is uh, god is great god is great but you can only meet him through me well, okay, I know God is great and I'm in church and you're here and I know you speak to God. So, yeah, okay, maybe that's good. And then they slowly but surely take a truth and then twist a little more and twist it a little more. And it's so gradual that you don't, it's, you can't just go, oh my God, okay, no, that's weird. Like it's little, little, little things. And they also break down your critical thought to a point where your red flags don't even pop up anymore. And then when the pastor comes to you and goes, I can only save you by spraying doom in your face. You were like, you were right about everything else. Go mad. Mm. So unless it's someone from outside that comes in and goes, no, this is completely wrong. The people in it won't realize it until a law is broken and someone kind of on the outside or someone that finally goes, holy, this is very, very wrong. That's the only time it'll actually come out. So look, it's so much like sexual grooming. Well, I think if we put a different lens on it to help people think is largely it is a domestic violence um, context. So it gets shrouded behind the idea of freedom of religion and association and all of those things. And I mean, it's been a real problem in places like America where, you know, you this is a person's right of association and right to freedom of speech and right to freedom of religion, etc. But we don't recognize that in basic situations like where you've got a house where women are sub subjected to domestic violence or children to sexual grooming and sexual abuse, the state does intervene. Because that agency that you give people is not an agency that allows them to harm themselves or to allow their children to be harmed. So the, the lens that we need to look at these through is that the religion is a screen. And it's often a screen for the deviance of the people under the screen. So it's like a smoke screen that they cast. And they cast that smoke screen certainly the overseas guys because you get tax breaks for being a church so you you get to collect tons and tons of money and you get to say but there's freedom of religion so you can't touch me so it's just a very clever ploy for people who are harmful to other people to hide their true self in under the guise it's that whole wolf in sheep's clothing or you know the devil hides among the angels and all of that kind of thing so if we put that lens on it, the, the legal system becomes a bit easier to evoke because you're saying, 
you may be a very Christian person. We've seen Catholic priests abusing children. We've seen you know, uh, coaches abuse children. We've seen all people. We know that people who want to cause harm need to get themselves into a position of trust and power over people they harm. They can't use that cover to hide. And it's our job to throw light on it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you know, like I say to people often, you know, we're the ones who need to go into these dark places because who else goes there? Yeah, so true. Pauline, um, in terms, just in closing, with regards to cults, um, it is quite a, it's a very contentious issue. It's, it's for a lot of people very, very scary. I suppose the best thing that people can do is, as Lucas just said, throw the light on it. So how do people enlighten themselves? If you have a family member or a child or whatever and you feel that they're being sucked into something, what what can you do um, to really just shine a light rather than the whole kidnapping, decoding, movie type scenario? Well, first and foremost, I would say go do your research. Read up on both the good and the bad on both sides because sometimes you may believe in something that I just don't agree with, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. But So go read up, research, and then there's, there's a lot of um, information overseas and a lot of help overseas. Um, not a lot of it is available here through books and things which you need to order and wait weeks for, but go do your research, read up about it, um, speak to people that have maybe left the group, try and find people that have left the group, get their points of view, tr- uh, just see what because if there's a red flag for you there something is definitely wrong i mean your gut your gut is very very intuitive so just go do your research and then maybe speak to the person that's going in before i wouldn't say too late but like when you see stuff is starting to go funny maybe speak to them maybe find out what the interest is maybe see if you can find a healthier way or a different way of getting them interested in something else or open their mind to different things but yeah it's there it's very hard to change someone's beliefs but you can you can try and help them not get sucked into something bad and i think that the important thing is not to come in angry and combative that you've been rejected as a parent or that you've been rejected as a partner because what happens then is you just reinforce the fact that the world is an unkind, unwelcoming, unthoughtful place. So for me it's about approaching it with kindness and looking at what need is being met. What is What are they communicating to you about what they're struggling with and that the need that this cult meets and then attempting to find other ways to meet it in a broader way that doesn't exclude them from society and put them under the power of one person. Luke and Pauline, thank you ever so much. Fascinating as always. Particularly fascinating for me because Pauline, much like you, I also find religion beautiful. And the more I can find out about religion, the happier I am. So thank you very, very much for taking the time today. Thank you for having me.